a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back into the Saturday show. I am Michelle Bodkin taking taking you along for this ride today. Uh, solo, Jake Hatch is on daddy duty, uh, taking care of the kiddos and cheering them on in their sports endeavors today. So it's just me and Shyler behind the glass. Uh, we had a good first half of the show, uh, got into some BYU transfer portal drama, uh, University of Utah graduation rates and statistics. Uh, We also talked a little bit about the Utah Jazz and, of course, did our technical fouls. If you missed any of that, you can find it later on in the podcast. Now we're going to turn our attention to uh, the, the forever, it just feels like this is dragging on and on, media relations, uh, media uh, deals as far as the, the Pac-12 goes. Uh, there's never a dull moment, it feels like. And uh, this this week certainly fit the bill uh, once again. Uh, Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, of course, reporting that ESPN was out of the deal. Uh, I believe that was Wednesday. Uh, Hans and Scotty had him on their show to discuss what he was hearing And uh, later on, we'll go over what I've actually been hearing on this front, which is vastly different. Uh, But in order to compare and contrast, here is Dennis Dodd. Dennis Dodd joins us from CBS. Dennis, how are you? Hey, Dennis. I'm good. Hey, how are you guys? Great to catch up with you. It's good to catch up with you. And uh, a bit of a bombshell. I know I talked to a college administrator yesterday who's down in Phoenix. Um, There's a lot of meetings going on down there, a lot of conference meetings. The festival seems to bring everybody out of the woodworks to uh, bring everybody down in Phoenix. Kind of talk us through uh, what you wrote about in terms of ESPN discussing what's going on with officials from the Big 12. Oh, yeah. What I wrote is uh, it appears that – uh, ESPN is out as a primary rights holder for the Pac-12 deal with the caveat in the second paragraph that never say never. Uh, they could be in line for a smaller package, whatever that means, because that that definition is not even really out there because we don't know what a primary package would be without USC and UCLA. Uh, I, 
think I pointed out in the piece, a lot of that would be the Oregon and or Washington games uh, or those two together. But, again, that remains to be seen. So, and the significance is, obviously, the worldwide league in sports. Where does the Pac-12 go from here? And I don't know if I have those answers. <laughs> you know, Dennis, it's always interesting when, obviously, you're a prominent writer and you write for a huge publication and it's seen by millions. And you instantly get the doubters out there and people that will fire out and refute and the Athletic fired out a tweet and said, actually, ESPN has met as recently as today. How do you, when you see that, how do you internalize that? How do you deal with some of those people that fire out these quick retorts? Uh, I stand by my reporting. Um, look, this could change in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, following this is like trying to catch uh, minnows with your bare hands. So, so it, it is what it is. It's, it's part of the business, and... You know, as long as there's Twitter, there's going to be this, so you have to have a thick skin. So where is the Pac-12 right now? I mean, what uh, what options are available for this conference? If ESPN is out and they stick to their guns that they are out, what does the future hold here? Um, they're uh, officially, they haven't moved off saying they expect to have a deal uh, late spring, early summer. They stayed on that lately. Um, you know, I think, as I said in the piece, it was industry speculation that NBC could be a possibility in the form of USA Network, which has a broad, long history of sports coverage and wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I don't know that. Uh, that's informed speculation. You still have the... the uh, streamers out there, the big streamers. But at the beginning of the week, I was told by by a source who's really involved in this that they have the Pac-12, quote-unquote, has nothing. Um, you know, what, what they're, they are telling their constituents they're going to put, they have something together. And that's what I also wrote in the piece, that they, inside the room this week, they remain confident. They're going to have a major... Um, uh, platform carry their tier one prop, their tier one games. So that that is their official stance right now, and, and to their mind, nothing has changed. Hmm. You know, Dennis, that that initial press conference that we got with George Klyavkov in the Pac-12, he came out firing and talking about the Big 12 that was lobbing grenades and that maybe they'd go shopping, and it felt like there was a bit of a rivalry budding in that moment and since we've seen the big 12 continually throwing out new ideas creative innovative stuff uh taking games possibly to mexico and all of these things these reports how much do you think the big 12 is out there actively trying to lob the grenades and take the pac-12 down Oh, I, I don't think that's it at all. I, I think this would have happened if this situation had never developed. Um, I, I think that's a separate discussion. I, I think Brett Yormark is a marketer at heart. He has ideas. He's activated on those ideas. And I don't, I don't think it, he's weaponizing these things against the Pac-12. Everybody in the industry is sort of 
marveling at, at what he's done. Uh, next summer, Rucker Park exhibitions in basketball in the heart of New York basketball in Rucker Park. Um, his head of uh, basketball, John Williams, threw out there recently that next summer or before next season in 24, fall of 24, they're going to have a series of preseason games involving Big 12 teams that don't play each other twice. It's the only league out there that now has a true round robin. That's not going to be the case with 12 teams. So that that would, in essence, make up for the lost, I guess, net, N-E-T, the net rankings value of the SEC Challenge. So, you know, that's interesting. He had – he sold courtside seats to the dismay of us reporters at the Big 12 tournament because he moved us upstairs uh, for $1,000 a seat. And according to him, sold all – oh, what was the number? Uh, 250, I think it was. But don't hold me to that. But – and then had built in the back of the house sort of like a speakeasy for those high rollers that could they could go and relax and eat and drink before and after games. So it's stuff like that. I will tell you this, the ADs absolutely love it. He's, uh, he, uh, he's brought value, as I said, to the conference. He's got ideas, some – some that I know about, some that I don't, some that I can't write about because I don't have it firmed up, that will curl your hair. I mean, it's, it's huh. he comes from that area of marketing and television. You know, he wants the Big 12, these are his words, to be the, the crossroads of culture and sports. And he, so far, he's delivering. So, conversely, have you heard any private um, – dissatisfaction or unease from Pac-12 athletic directors with George Klavkov? Uh I, I think the best way to put it is um, maybe uneasiness and patience by, by some. I mean, look, nobody's broken ranks. Yeah. They are, they are standing by George, who has told them, like I, like I just pointed out, we, we're going to have a deal and it's going to be for enough money for everybody to stay you know, stay together. So they are, you know, because it's so long, we'll wait and see what that number is before they make a decision. Um, and I think there's some, I don't know what the word is, um, you know, within the Big 12 telling them, we know they're interested in those four four corner schools, you know, you're either in or you're out. It's getting to that time because the thing is we're now in the 10th month of this since the, uh, the Pac-12 opened their early window in August. And, you know, look, guys, you're either in or you're out because when you get that number and it's not satisfactory, we may not be here. I think that's part of the vibe going out from the Big 12 right now. But, again, never say never. Um, you know, it, the, thing may, the thing may shake loose tomorrow, but – uh, I think that's where both sides are right now. And I'll, I'll say this. I think that we haven't talked about the possibility that no one talks about these days, that they, the Big 12 stays, stays like it is at 12, and, you know, the Pac-12 goes ahead with 10 and then considers, obviously, expansion after that. But, uh, you know, that's a possibility, too. Dennis, I'm curious – your interactions with George Klyovkov, and if they are few or, or none, just your insight into his ability and his his tools and and his reach. Um, 
I, I guess I just kind of want your opinion on how capable you feel he is at this very tough this very tough deal that he's currently trying to organize. I, I think the biggest piece of this, whether George Kriakoff's fault, quote-unquote, or not, was the Big 12 jumping ahead in line and getting a deal done last October 31st ahead of the Pac-12. Again, whether that's Pac-12's fault, whether that was Brett Yormark being aggressive and, and mobilizing, whether it's a combination of all those, that's what's that's where we're at, why we're at. Because I figured this out over the last few months. But when ESPN knew it was going to lose the Big Ten for the first time in 40 years, it created a giant programming hole. They've never, never not had Big Ten. But Brett Dormark realized that and, you know, got together with obviously ESPN and Fox to fill some of those programming holes at what is a cheaper rate for ESPN. Now, the trade-off is it ain't the Big Ten. These Big 12 teams aren't the Big Ten. We know that. But they've got programming for a number that is satisfactory to both parties, ESPN and, and, uh, and the Big 12. And so then, not only was the money in question for the Pac-12, it's a little window. Like, wherever you play, talk about the Pac-12, they're going to be going head-to-head with um, Big Noon Fox at noon uh, Eastern. And obviously on the West Coast, uh, there wouldn't be any games there usually. Um, 3.30, SEC, National SEC game. Same for the Big Ten. Same for the Big 12. Uh, uh, prime time, 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern. So what's left where they can maximize their dollars, talking about the Pac-12? Well, late night, uh, Pac-12 after dark, which was so criticized under Larry Scott. That's where the hole was seen. But the first time in an available Power 5 conference that this all started, the latest realignment in 2010, they don't need it. There's not a network out there that needs the Pac-12. And again, I'm not saying they're not going to get a deal done. Hmm. I'm saying their leverage is diminished because of what I just said, um, that other people are calling the shots instead of the, instead of the Pac-12 itself um, right now. Wow. Dennis Dodd joining us from CBS Sports. All right, so Dennis, let me throw a hypothetical. You're George Kulavkov, and you walk in front of your presidents and athletic directors in the Pac-12, and you said, okay, look, I got you a number that's equivalent or even slightly better than the Big 12. We get to control our start times, but our Tier 1 rights and majority games are going to be streamed. Is that a deal breaker for those presidents and athletic directors? That's a question for them. I, I, that's one of the key issues. I don't know if I can answer that. I think that's something they got to discuss with their boards, um, with their people on campus. Hey, look, here's the number. We're, we're, beyond, we're more or close to what the Big 12 got. But it's on a platform where there's, there is no channel surfing on Saturday. You know, to, to get the streaming, you got to get out of linear. you got to fire up your, your Netflix or whatever it is, call it up, sometimes having to sign in. It's about three or four steps. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, then, and then maybe hope it doesn't buffer because – this has hardly been tried before. Um, 
Amazon's in with the NFL. Okay, those ratings fell every week, I think. Um, Apple Plus is doing some Major League Baseball. But week to week, Major College Football, if you're 30 seconds behind, people will turn that stuff off. Um, or, or it will give them a reason not to watch. So it's those kinds of things that get into all this. Um, is, is the number alone enough to keep them together in that scenario? I, I don't know that. I don't know. Dennis, this just makes me think about ESPN situation as well. It feels like every time I look at Twitter, they're laying off another thousand or thousand plus at ESPN. How healthy or unhealthy is ESPN right now? Well, this is not the first time they or other media companies have gone through this. And it occurs to me that, look, this may be why the big the Pac-12 has, has been delayed in their decision. Maybe they're being told, hey, let us let this shake out so we stabilize what it looks like after these layoffs. We've got to keep our powder dry for the NBA negotiations, which is a priority over the Pac-12, and let's see where we are. And that and, – and the Pac-12 would absolutely say, yes, absolutely, whatever you need. And then they, you know, then they get a deal. But, no, I don't look. It's I've worked for companies that have layoffs. It's almost the way of the world. And that's economy everywhere. So I'm not going to disparage ESPN. It, it, it is what it is. It's also the industry leader. And anything we want to talk about regarding sports, they're still number one by far. Hmm. What uh, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of conversation, and I think people just naturally assume that San Diego State will find its way into the Pac-12. But could the Big 12 come calling? And is there conversations between that conference and San Diego State? It's my opinion that San Diego State and the Big 12 would be a fallback for the Big 12. It wouldn't be positioned that way, but it would be for whatever reason uh, the Pac-12 isn't available. Um, draw your own conclusions that um, Brett Yormark wants to be in all four time zones. Uh, if he does that, he would be the only conference to do it because even the Big Ten is missing the mountain time zone. Um, the Big 12 is there with BYU. But he wants to do that. He wants to be coast-to-coast on TV. Um, but, um, no, I think, look, I think that, uh, that that's a possibility. But uh, I, I don't think it's likely. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I, I've already written that, you know, San Diego State's first discussion is about the Pac-12. For the Big 12, I think it would be a fallback addition because I don't know, again, I'm speculating, I don't know if those Big 12 presidents are sitting there going, okay, can we get pro radar, which is equal value for San Diego State? And they probably wouldn't get that. They'd probably get much more, much less than a full share, and then forget about, well, don't forget about having to talk about traveling from Orlando, Florida to San Diego, from literally coast to coast, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, to San Diego, and unless you have a partner or partners to close that gap, that might make it undoable. Dennis, what are your thoughts on? the Deion Sanders experiment and just in keeping in line with the Pac-12, what is he doing for the Pac-12 right now and, and maybe its ability to 
be a part of a TV deal, does it turn the needle or does it move the needle at all? Uh, I did a story last week. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a notes package. And the lead, it was before their spring game, which was uh, Bafo. We all know what happened. It was great. Um, you know, great television. Uh, the only spring game on ESPN, we know that, uh, saying that I asked George that Kayakov had very question in December at a conference in Las Vegas. I said, does Dion's hiring itself bring value to the conference? And he said, absolutely. And so the lead note was, uh, as good as he is, his presence alone does not do that. Um, you know, in fact, it's, look, it's, it's the brand together in the conference that get paid. It's not the coach at the time. But having said all that, it's been nothing – I would say, well, not nothing, but mostly positive. I mean, now this, you know, him, I don't know, running these players off, is that the best way to put it? You know, we're waiting to see how that goes, how he replaces those guys in the portal. And I was, I, I tried this week here in uh, Scottsdale. I, I got him alone and asked him if he had a few minutes, and he blew me off, hmm. accompanied by his bodyguard. And I, well, I tried. Wow. Because, um, you know, he, I think he's accountable to someone more than his YouTube videos and, you know, a structured spring game where everybody's fawning over it. So sooner or later, those questions are going to have to be answered. So, um, no, but it's been uh, Colorado has completely transformed itself uh, lately, I think, as a, as a football brand by getting Dion because he – think about this. I, I keep saying he's the only guy that I know that's ever been this person. Hall of Famer, media icon – uh, NFL analyst, uh, a guy who absolutely doesn't need the money and is coaching his son. There's nothing anybody that like that. Jim Harbaugh's not that guy. Um, you know, he, he can walk in a room and not be recognized. Dion would light up a room. And so I think it's a fascinating story. We'll see where it goes. Um, and best of luck to the Buffs. I hope they get good again. College football's better when they're good. Do you think that people and other coaches are watching this huge turnover? And if it works, that you'll see this same philosophy employed. And I think we're all ready to it to a certain extent, just not as brazen as what Dion's doing. But do you think we're heading down to that path where, where coaches are like, all right, well, if kids can leave and look for NIL money, then I'm going to push them out the door if they're not getting the job done. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's happened way before NIL. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, we just know we just know about it now because the money is "quote unquote" it's a lot of it above board. But I had I, I asked somebody that this week, and I can't remember who. But that, that person said, "Okay, there's a spectrum between Clemson and Dabo Swinney, who does basically nothing in the portal, recruits high school players and develops them, and Colorado." And he said, "Most of us are in the middle." So I think that answers your question. Are more people going to do that? I, I think to his credit, you know, until he is stopped by NCAA legislation or whatever, Dion has exposed a loophole in a, in a very unstable NIL rule. We know that. Um, the NCAA just basically forfeited, you know, its ability to oversee that sort of stuff on July 1st, 2021, when they, you know, they put in uh, the quote-unquote interim policy. Well, on that day... We, none of us knew what the word collective even meant. Now look at what it's become. So uh, he has uh, exploited as a, as a loaded word, but taken advantage of a loophole within a rule. 
to, to do this. Well, Dennis, we appreciate it. Always good catching up with you um, and uh, and asking or answering these questions, man. It was it was a lot of fun and and uh, look forward to further conversations down the line. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, by the way, Matt uh, had an extended conversation with uh, Kalani. It was great. Talked to Tom Homo. They're so excited. Um, Cougar Nation should be really, really excited about this because they're they're all in. I'm doing as many people are. I'm doing a a story on the new four coming into the big 12 and what that means. So it was really nice sitting down with Kalani. All right. You heard from Dennis Dodd of CBS sports on with Hans and Scotty earlier this week, uh, talking about, you know, his perception, what he's been, been told, what he's hearing as far as conference realignment uh, and this ongoing I don't know, feud with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and what's going on with the Pac-12's negotiations. I have some thoughts on that. Um, Obviously, I have been trying to dig and and figure things out from the Pac-12 side, from Utah's side. Uh, And if I'm being perfectly honest and frank, what I'm hearing does not match up or align at all with Dennis and what, what he's consistently been reporting uh, which, of course, makes this whole situation very interesting. I will go ahead and get into that on the other side. We do need to take a break here. You are listening to the Saturday sh- uh, to the Saturday show on 90, 97 or 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Okay, welcome back into the Saturday show. You're listening to Michelle Bodkin here, flying solo. Jake Hatch is on daddy duty today. And behind the glass, I have Shyler uh, keeping me on track as, as much as possible. Uh, the last segment, we uh, listened to an interview that Hans and Scotty did earlier in the week with Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, who reported on the latest that he was hearing uh, regarding Pac-12 media negotiations um, he, of course, reported that ESPN is out in those negotiations. Uh, I wanted to jump in and talk about, you know, some of the things that I've been hearing uh, and not it honestly hasn't really changed that much from my my perspective. Um, it, I was on Jake and Ben yesterday and, you know, they kind of asked me about what's going on and by by comparison the the interesting thing is the day that Dennis Dodd reported that ESPN was out i had heard i don't know maybe a couple hours before maybe the day before that from from the people that i'm talking to their understanding is that the linear part of the Pac-12's deal is done or is close enough to done that that's not really what they're worrying about and concerned about. So that doesn't exactly match up with ESPN being out. Um, it, it's, I, could they be? I, I guess so. That's just not what I'm hearing. Uh, it, 
everything I've heard is ESPN is very much involved, very much wants to get a deal done with the Pac-12, and it sounds like it pretty much is done. Now, what the Pac-12 does seem to be waiting on, at least from what I can gather, is the streaming end of it, the Apple TV, the Amazon TV, and that makes sense. Uh, again, we are dealing with something that doesn't have a precedent. There, There is no, we've already drawn up a contract for this. Uh, we have prior knowledge of how this works. This is a new arena that both sides are entering into, and it involves a lot of lawyers. And when you have a lot of lawyers involved, it takes a lot of time to hash things out. Uh, and so that's kind of my understanding of why things are taking so long. Um, some of the conversations that just surround this whole topic are interesting uh, from the standpoint of, you know, where where people got in their minds that there was ever a timeline uh, that that the the clock's ticking on the Pac-12, uh, as many have kind of come out and pointed out and said, uh, you know, fairly recently, in a normal year in a normal situation, the Pac-12 probably wouldn't start renegotiating this contract until like now. Uh, they just opted to get an earlier start on that, and so. How that somehow translates to it has it has to be done right now. There's a timeline and they're running out of time when reality is if they hadn't chosen to go with it earlier, they wouldn't have even been starting talking about this until like now ish. And the contract runs up, of course, next year. So I, it's just a, a lot of interesting things to keep track of. Um, again, I. On Jake and Ben, I was pretty harsh on Dodd. I, <laughs> um, I, I just the the sourcing bothers me on that. And you know, if he wanted to have a conversation with me and actually explain to me what all that means, I am more than open to hear it. Um, but I just don't know how you can write an article about Pac-12 media negotiations and then cite your source as a Big 12 administrator. Why Why would a Big 12 administrator know what's going on in, in that negotiation room? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. From the school of common thought or co common sense, it just doesn't make sense uh, that anyone in the Big 12 would really have any kind of working knowledge of that unless – which is not what's been reported and not what's being said. Uh, this administrator said that they have knowledge that a Pac-12 school or administrator is working with the Big 12 to join the Big 12. But that's not what was said. That's not what's being reported. And so I just don't know how or why that makes any kind of sense. Um, I do want to move on a little bit here. Um, oh, actually, and just one more point, too. Again, it's about listening to who actually is involved in these negotiations. And last week, Jake and I had athletic director Mark Harlan on with the University of Utah, and he brought up the Pac-12 media negotiations, that they're going just fine, and they should hopefully have something soon, either later this spring or this summer, which seems to be kind of the the benchmark that the Pac-12 has been talking about as of late. I know that's been pushed back several times before. Again, negotiating with lawyers, super fun. Uh, but it just kind of goes back to that was maybe five days before what 
Dennis Dodd reported. And I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just don't, again, see things changing that drastically. And again, especially from the standpoint of a Big 12 administrator. I just don't know why you would know that. Um, to move on, uh, let's take a little look here at RSL. They have a game today against Houston. At 6.30 p.m., you can watch it on Apple TV and, of course, I believe listen to it here. Um, uh, They ended up in a draw last week with Seattle, uh, which did extend their unbeaten streak against Seattle in Utah to 13 games. Interestingly enough, the last time the Sounders beat Utah in Utah occurred in 2011. Um, it, so, I mean, here's the thing. It seems like <clears throat> Real Salt Lake is getting back on track, uh, maybe still not quite where they want to be. Once again, they have a great opportunity today with Houston, uh, who sits at four, one and three Utah or Salt Lake is, uh, at three, one and five Houston is favored to win, um, but again, there's always, you know, a possibility and and an opportunity to continue to improve. And RSL certainly needs to continue moving in in that direction. Uh, I also wanted to talk about uh, Utah Lacrosse getting a big win yesterday against Beller. Let's see. Let me make sure I can say this right. Beller Marine. Uh, to move on to the ASUN Championship, this is the second year in a row that the Utes are moving on to the championship, the conference championship. Uh, they beat Bell Marine uh, 17 to 14, and they just barely found out that they will be playing against Air Force uh, tomorrow, Sunday, for the ASUN Championship. Lots of good things happening on the lacrosse front. Uh, they raked in a whole bunch of awards. This past week, uh, freshman of the year, coach of the year. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Uh, They have, again, academics, uh, an all-academic team uh, that was comprised of several Utes. So just a lot of good things going for for the Utes in the lacrosse round, or realm, excuse me. Let's get Shiler's opinion on some of the things going on here today with Utah. Utah, not Utah Athletics, is in University of Utah Athletics, but just athletics here in the state of Utah. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, so much is it. This is the time of year where things seem to like slow down, but mm-hmm. they're the sports that we don't hear a ton about. You know, you've got RSL that's hopefully coming back. They started off the season kind of rough. Um, so that's exciting, and it, it's exciting for the Utes for their lacrosse team to go the second year row. That's like a huge, a huge deal. And it's cool that we have a lacrosse team in the state of Utah that's actually being recognized. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think it should be pointed out and noted that Utah lacrosse has only been a Division One program for four years. So oh, wow. to already kind of be at the top of your conference, um, you know, just four years in. Is pretty impressive, and and you have a second year coach leading the way, and he's been named coach of the year 
twice in a row. So that's crazy. Yeah. So it's huge accomplishment. Huge accomplishment. Uh, That's not that's not easy to do on any level. Uh, I think shout outs to Utah Tennis. Also, Um, they had a couple of individuals qualify uh, to go to the NCAAs. Uh, again, this is kind of unprecedented success for them. Uh, they share, they took a piece of the Pac-12 regular season title. That's something they've never done before. Um, at least on the University of Utah front, a lot of good, different, kind of new, big accomplishments are happening there. Uh, again, RSL seems to be getting back on track i that's the hope that's the hope (laughs) (laughs) hope springs eternal uh in in the realm of soccer and then of course again we're just sitting here waiting on media negotiations uh shyler have you followed that at all honestly so i come from a byu background Mm mm-hmm and when that all went down and everyone like you were saying there was never really this timeline and from the like from my perspective i was like oh like when you said that i was like oh i had no idea that they probably wouldn't have even started until now i thought it was something that needed to be done that needed to be you know figured out and it was like dragging on so it's interesting to hear that like no it probably wouldn't have like if they didn't decide to start early like they wouldn't have been starting until now anyways so it's it's just crazy. <laughs> a crazy thing. Uh it's I think I think the big thing with the media negotiations that's been interesting especially this go around versus some of the other times we've seen this happen is the availability of social media. Um you know, Utah and Colorado make the jump to the Pac-12. Like social media was there, Twitter was there. But like that just wasn't really like a place where you would go and voice your opinions. And I think a lot of what's fueling some of the vitriol uh, with it is the fact that fans have an availability to chime in on this. And and it, it just it is a very like as I'm learning and kind of digging into that realm of things like. These negotiations are complicated. Like, they're not straightforward. They're not easy. I keep saying if you hear something that just seems like super straightforward, it's probably the wrong answer. Because, like, it just doesn't feel like these things are ever super duper straightforward. Um, you know, there there's just a lot that goes into making these contracts and deciding what values are and getting everybody to agree on it. I think something else that maybe should be pointed out, I know we're jumping around a lot in this segment because uh, I just have so many thoughts, so That's many good. things to think about. Uh, but something else I think to consider, you know, when we talk about the the media negotiations, at least on the Pac-12 side of things, I don't know if this is necessarily everywhere else, but the presidents make the call. This isn't on the athletic directors, um, depending on the relationship between the president and the athletic athletic director. They may work together on it, but the people kind of calling the shots in this are are the presidents. It, it's coming from the academic side. It's not coming from the athletic side, at, or the athletic side, and. Uh, I see a lot of misconceptions with that and that 
George Klyovkov actually controls the narrative in this, and he really doesn't. He just goes out, finds possible deals, presents it to the presidents. The presidents say yay or nay on it, and then he goes back out. So it's not like even he really actually has a whole lot of control over what goes on. This really is the academic side. It's the it's the presidents that are getting together, that are deciding, you know, what they want. And that's partially why, again, I've been talking a lot about the academic side of athletics and why Utah's been making such a push on their end to showcase that, yes, we're really good on the field, but we're also really good in the classroom because in this league and in the Big Ten um, and a little bit in the ACC as well, academics are highly valued and that's a large part of what makes those conferences those conferences. Uh, it's not simply just what you do on the field. It's what you do in the classroom. And uh, the research dollars that those conferences bring in uh, is a big piece of the pie and is much more is it it weighs a lot more into the moves that they make when it does come to TV contracts and some of that kind of stuff and maybe elsewhere, some of the other conferences. And I'm not saying that is it's a bad thing, a good thing or a bad thing. It's just people have different priorities and different things that they look at uh, that, you know, one side maybe doesn't consider, doesn't think about because that's just not really on their agenda. They're, they're looking at other things that are important to them. Uh, and so I, I think that's also part of where some of these arguments are, are coming from. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully this is coming to a wrap because I really don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's been a long time in the coming. Like it's it's been so long. Uh, I just want to find a new topic of <laughs> a new thing to argue and be mean to each other about <laughs> something we don't all know the details to that we all think we know the details to absolutely uh okay uh we are going to take our last break and uh wrap up here you are listening to the saturday show on 97.5 the ksl sports zone We are back to wrap this show up. You are listening to the Saturday show on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Of course, I'm Michelle Bodkin here flying solo today. No Jake Hatch. He is out watching his children compete in their sports interests today, uh, doing daddy duty. I do have Shyler behind the glass with me and uh She's been keeping me on track and and having some fun chiming in on some things. It's been a good show overall. Uh, We've gone into a whole bunch of different topics, whether it's been the Utah Jazz, uh, technical fouls as per usual, uh, the transfer portal for BYU, uh, Utah academics in the sports arena, and of course, a lot of discussion about uh, the impending Pac-12 media deal that just seems to not want to go away and bring us all the drama. Uh, We got some RSL in, some Utah lacrosse and Utah tennis, uh, just kind of covering all the bases here on Saturday. I'm curious, Shyler, what was your favorite part of the show today? Honestly, I just really loved hearing your perspective on the media deal. I think that was a perspective that not a, I don't know that not enough people hear. I think hearing that like it is so so much more complicated. There are so many more people involved. It's not as simple as approaching ESPN or Fox or someone and saying like we want to work this out. 
There are hundreds and hundreds of people involved, thousands of people probably, and it's going to take a while to make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed to make sure that everything works. Um, so I really enjoyed listening to your perspective and just getting to listen to all of your thoughts on the Utah sports and the sports world in general. Well, thank you. Uh, that that has been something I've tried to work really hard on on sourcing and getting good information on. It's not easy to get good information on that. And even though I feel pretty good about the information I've got on it, there is also a probability or a possibility that some of it or possibly all of it could be wrong because that's just how that's just how these things kind of go. Uh, one thing. I think we should mention on air that you mentioned to me off air. Uh, Shyler actually just barely graduated from college the other day. So congratulations to Shyler again. Thank we've you. been talking a lot of academics and uh, tell tell everybody what you graduated in. So I got my degree in communications with an emphasis in journalism and sports broadcasting from BYU. So here we are. Here we are. Now now we're in the real world. No more school. No more school. It is a strange feeling when you wake. Like I woke up Monday morning and my friends are all in like spring semester. And I was like, I'm going to go for a run. Like I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. No homework. I get to watch Gilmore Girls and enjoy my runs and have a good time. That's so funny. I've actually been re-watching Gilmore Girls too. <laughs> It is, it is the best rewatch show. It, it Maybe is. Maybe after The Office. Those are like, I, you got to bounce between them. <laughs> and they've got very different vibes. <laughs> um, yeah, I've absolutely been doing that. Uh, again, congratulations on the graduation. That's a lot of hard work that I know you put in. And, uh, you know, try to not panic too much. There's going to be like a couple of weeks I, after you graduate where you're like, crap, what's due? Where do I need to be? And then you're like, oh, yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. It is. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely one of those things you're like, oh, I am an, a full blown. I've always called them full flow, oh, full blown adults. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not an adult. I'm married. We live in an apartment. We have two dogs. I am not a full blown adult. But now I'm like what I would consider that full blown adult. I've got a job. <laughs> I've got a degree. And I'm like, oh, my life is still not at that point where I'd say I'm a full blown adult. But here we are. Trust me. I Again, I'm like pushing into mid 30s. And even I have moments where I'm like, dang it. I actually am the adultier adult in this situation. <laughs> I don't want to be. Um Okay, one more thing that I want to cover before we sign off. Um, Some exciting news for one of our colleagues here at KSL Sports. Mary Lou's Cook is going to be representing the state of Utah in the Miss Utah USA contest in July. How fun. I know. So she originally came to us from West Palm Beach, Florida. She's competed in several pageants uh, in the Florida circuit. Um Let's see, Miss Fort Lauderdale in 2016, Miss Boca Raton in 2017, Miss Miami Beach in 2018, Miss South Florida in 2019, and then Miss Miami between August of 2020 and March 2022. Now she's going to be representing us. Uh, I I think that's so exciting. I love that she has this thing that she loves to do and that she still has the ability and the opportunity to pursue it. 
Um, we're so excited for you, Mary Lou's, and we hope that, you know, things go well and, and that you get to push this as far as you want to push it. Um, we love seeing you, obviously, on our airwaves, but the this is a, a different, new, fun thing that we kind of get to watch you do. So congratulations on getting the nod for that, and uh, we'll all be watching intently. Yeah, congrats. Okay, well, that is going to do it for us today on behalf of Jake, who is not here. I am Michelle Bodkin and Shiler Behind the Glass. You have been listening to the Saturday show on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.